morning everyone and uh, very welcome to our Palm Sunday service this morning and those who are watching online as well you're very welcome to join us. Um, I just want to I want to read from Philippians chapter 2 Philippians 2 um, and it's verses 8 to 11 Philippians 2 verses 8 Uh, 2.11 And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We're going to just listen and settle our hearts as we listen to uh, The King Is Here by Corey Voss. Trembling, the oceans 
If you just uh, bear with me a wee minute, uh, just uh, there's a few announcements uh, to go through. Uh, first of all, the new committee. I uh, have to read out the names of our new committee, um, and they're as follows. Linda and Jim McKnight, Muriel Irvine, Kim Fitzsimons, Laura Henry, George Liggett, Noel Riddell, Julie Sexton, Karen Woods, Karen Cardy, Rosemary Honeyford, Lorraine Wilson, Heather Laurie, and Pat Phillips, and that makes for 14 of a new committee. And just want to thank uh, the committee for the last three years that have served uh, faithfully, and we're looking forward to another uh, good three years. Um, just want to uh, bring to your attention also that it's the Palm Sunday lunch today following the service, and it'll be served just in the Bradley Hall. And those who have signed to attend should make their way to the hall after the service. And if you haven't signed to attend and would like to do so, that's, that's fine, that's okay. Please come and join us. If you're a visitor, please feel very welcome. And uh, there's no charge for the lunch, and all we're asking is that you, you make a donation for the children that we support in Peru and Rwanda. Uh, coming up this week, please join us on Wednesday, uh, 13th of April, half past seven, for a special Life Lounge for Holy Week. It's called Easter Reflections. Uh, walk with me, and uh, it's giving us an opportunity to reflect on Christ's journey to the cross and do so through a blend of readings and, and also uh, songs and worship songs uh, that we can take time just to think about Christ's journey. Uh, prayer day will take place on Thursday. That's on the 14th of April, and the church is going to be open uh, from 11.30 to 1 p.m., and then again from 7 to 8, and it's an opportunity for individuals to just come and take time uh, on their own, really, uh, to pray in, in quietness, and there'll be leaflets, and there'll be other helpful material will be available. Uh, also, the first of our car boot sales is planned for Saturday, the 30th of April, from 8 a.m. to 12 noon. And if any member wishes to participate in the sale for church funds, please contact Barbara Mitchell. Um, as you see, I've got some little pots up here. There was such a high demand for the, what people wanted to do the competition last week, not just the children, but the adults as well. So if you want, if you'd like to come along and take a pot with uh, a sunflower seed in it, please take it home and we'll have a look at them when they all grow and we'll put them on Facebook and so forth. Um, also, everyone will receive a little flyer today. I know that some folk go away for the Easter weekend, so I wanted to get these out. And uh, thanks to Rini for, for doing that. And uh, it, it, it's Sam Shaw is our next family service, which is the 24th of April. And he's, you could say he's a, a biblical entertainer. He, he entertains children, uh, telling them Bible stories through using paintbrush and using puppets and so forth. So he's going to be taking the majority of that service that day. And you'll really enjoy it and your kids will love it. And please make it an opportunity to invite the neighbor's kids and, and, and the neighbors along as well. Uh, I think that we're in for a very good service that Sunday. Let me see now, is there any more announcements? Yes, there's something else uh, that I want to read to you. And you know that we've been given the Samaritan's Purse for quite a while now for Afghanistan and Ukraine. 
and uh, I received a letter during the week of thanks. It says, thanks to your support, Samaritan's Purse is setting up an emergency field hospital in Lviv and several medical stabilization points, including the train station in Lviv. Alongside this, we're supporting refugees as they cross the border and an additional relief flight is scheduled to Poland that will deliver a medical clinic for use in Moldova, a southern neighbor to Ukraine. So they are uh, really appreciative and say that your gift is already supporting organizations and church communities, providing first aid to refugees and distributing backpacks that include hygiene items and blankets. And Curtis last week, you know, he shaved his head for Ukraine and uh, £333.50, that's without gift aid, has been raised for that. So thank you again. Thanks to Curtis and thanks to those who, who gave for their generosity. Um, I'm just checking all these announcements. There's one more announcement here. I just want you to stick this in your diary. Um, it's... Uh, as you know, we had to cancel uh, the weekend um, in Bush Mills because of COVID, and um, but we're having uh, the the weekend in this church, uh, and Barry Laurie is going to be looking at what 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 vision do we have for this church? We're told in Scripture that without the vision, without a vision, the people perish. And so it's going to be lighthearted and mixed with some uh, questions that will stimulate our minds and stimulate our thinking. Um, it's on Friday the 13th and Saturday the 14th of May. Friday night we'll have a fellowship meal and we'll do our first session with Barry. Then on Saturday, hoping to do our second and our third session in the morning in between coffee and scones. And then in the afternoon, we'll go away, maybe somewhere like Donegadee, and we'll take a time just to, to have a bit of fellowship and chat and go for a walk in Donegadee in the afternoon. And then there's going to be a social night that night, a bit of entertainment, uh, and maybe a Vindaloo curry or something like that. So please put that in your diary, Friday the 13th and 14th of May. Um, so we're, also, we're looking forward to that. Um, and, and just something um, I want you to keep in mind, um, I'm sure you have heard by now, um, but uh, Tom and Evelyn's son, uh, who lives in Cincinnati in America, was knocked down by a car on Thursday night, and um, Tom and Evelyn uh, are on their way today over to see him. He's got some broken ribs, and he has uh, his, his one of his lungs have collapsed. So we're actually going to pray for him and for Tom and Evelyn now before we start uh, anything, do anything else. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, um, Lord, that you're with Tom and you're with Evelyn. And I know their hearts and their preparation for today for the Palm Sunday lunch uh, was tremendous. And Lord, they're, 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 they're sorry they can't be here. But Lord, their heart are, is in Sinati with their son. And Father, we pray that you'd take them there safely. We pray, Lord, that when they arrive there, that they'll find, their, they'll be reassured, Lord, when they see their son, that he's okay, when they see Jonathan. And we pray, God, for Jonathan, that he would make an absolute full recovery, that your grace would be upon him and upon the whole family. And, Lord, that there might be a good uh, uniting together 
of, of parents and, and, and Jonathan, Lord, that, that they would see, God, some good come out of this. Uh, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask Curtis to come and read. He's going to come and read Revelation 21, verses 3 to 6. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, a dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. Thank you, Curtis. Um, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together in a moment. We're praying and we're thinking about Jesus as the King and uh, thy kingdom come. And the implication of that in our own lives, whenever we pray thy kingdom come, we're also praying, my kingdom go, like John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. So we're going to pray that together. Let's pray. And the words are on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. So let's stand. We're going to stand. We're going to sing Hosanna in the highest. Now you'll probably all receive these. Okay, so uh, Hoshiana is the Hebrew word, and it means save us or uh, save now. So when the people were calling out to Jesus, they were asking him, come and rescue us, come and save us. And we're going to celebrate his riding into Jerusalem uh, with this song. And please, um, John Armstrong, God of these, uh, that's the cross, the palm cross. And some of you have got this. So please feel free to wave it as we sing the chorus.
okay, I'm just going to come down, uh, down here a wee moment. Now, for every, we've got boys and girls here, it's great to see you, great to see you, absolutely brilliant, and want to look today at the kingdom of God, and every kingdom must have a king, and every king must have a kingdom, and who do you think is the king of the kingdom of God? Yes, God, Jesus, Jesus is the king of kings. Okay, Jesus is the King of Kings, and we're celebrating his kingship today. And I want to look at some of the, a couple of the attitudes uh, of the kingdom of God. In other words, what's most important to Christ as king? What's in his mind when he thinks of the kingdom of God? What are his values? And what I want to do is I want to speak this morning. I want to tell you his values through telling three little parables, short parables. Now, do you know what a parable is? It's a story with a truth in it. I heard somebody describe parables as a little lunchbox because they're wee stories that you can remember easily and you can put them away in the back of your mind and you can take them out and feed on them when you want to. So we're going to look at three short parables. We're going to look at, and they're all to do with lost things. They're all to do with lost things. The first thing is a lost sheep. Okay, Jesus tells us about a lost sheep. Then he tells us about the lost coin, silver coin. And then he tells us, let me see, get this out. Then he tells us a story about the lost son. So the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. Now, he tells a story about that there, were, there was a shepherd and he had a hundred sheep. And one of them wandered away. And just gradually moved away and wandered away and the shepherd went, where is that sheep? And he left the, the 99 sheep to go and look for the one sheep that was lost. And he searched the hills high and low and eventually he found it. And when he found it, there was a big party because he had found a sheep that was lost but now is fine. And there was, he tells a story about a woman who had 10 silver coins, just like this one, 10 silver coins, but she lost one. And she searched. She got the broom out. She looked under the bed. She looked in the wardrobe. She looked in the drawers. She looked everywhere under the kitchen sink until eventually she found the silver coin that she lost. And she got all her friends together. And again, they had a party. And the, the, the truth that comes out there, the value of the kingdom of God, is that you are of tremendous value to God. That you are so special to him that whenever we turn away from God and we move away from God, and we do, uh, and we find ourselves far from God, where Jesus says, you're of such value that I leave the 99 and I come looking for you. Or I put aside the nine coins and I search the place until I find you. I search high and low because you're of such value. And that's the love of God. But let me just, let me just there's a sheep. How do you like him? <laughs> okay, but at, at the coin... There's the woman with the lost coin. But there are two, it's a two-way street. In any relationship, if you have a relationship with a friend or anyone, you have to give in the relationship as well as take. 
And you know what James says? You know who James is in the Bible? He's Jesus' brother. He's the brother of Jesus. And do you know what he says? In his letter, he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So when Jesus comes looking and comes looking for you, you can either close the door on him and walk away and he's going to have no effect in your life whatsoever. Or you can open the door. It says, draw near and to God and he will draw near to you. He will come close to you. Well, the third story tells a little about that. It's about the lost son, okay? The lost son. There he is. And Jesus says, a man, a farmer, lovely land and everything. He says he had two sons. And he says, one of those sons was getting restless. I want to get out there. I want to see the world. I'm bored sitting in this farm. There's nothing ever to do around here. It's boring. I want to get out and enjoy myself. So he says to his dad, Dad, give me what's due to me. Give me half of the farm. Give me the money that I am owed. When you die, I'm going to get half. I want it now, boss. I want it now. Very ignorant. And the father had to sell half of his farm to give his son this money. So the son went with the money in the back pocket and off he went. And he went into a foreign land and he was living it up and he was, he was out having a great time and he was drinking and he was doing all sorts of things that weren't the right thing to do. And he, he got to the point where he had loads of friends because they were all coming because he had lots of money they wanted to spend his money. And then a famine hit the land. That means that the, the weather was bad. It was too hot and the crops failed. And he found himself hungry. So he went and got a job. And the only job he could find was feeding pigs. Now remember, he was a Jew. And pigs, as far as Jews are concerned, are very unclean animals. So it was about the worst job he could have got, feeding pigs. And, and one day he looked at the pigs and even what he was feeding them, it looked nice to eat because he was so hungry and he said to himself what am I doing here I could go home to my father he's paying servants he's feeding servants I'll go home and I'll say I'm sorry and I'll, and I'll say to him listen I'm not worthy to be your son I'll be a servant I'll sleep in the servants quarters I'll, I'll, I'll eat with the servants live with the servants I'll do whatever you want so he started to head home and he rehearsing his whole apology to his father. And his father, meanwhile, back in the back in the farm, every day the father got up early in the morning and he was looking down the lane to see if his son was coming. He was worried sick about him. Looking down the lane, is he coming? Is he coming back today? And then eventually one morning he got up and he saw this little figure in the distance. He's walking a bit like my son. Could that be? Who is he? He's a, and as he got closer, he's the same color of her as my son. Could this possibly be my son? And whenever he was able to see that it's definitely his son. Now, back then, they wore robes. And you just didn't, it was undignified. You just didn't do it. You just didn't run with robes on. 
He didn't care. And he hoisted his robes up and he ran down the lane to greet his son. And the neighbors are going, look at him. It's not disgraceful. That's awful. Look at the state of him. But he didn't care. And he ran down the lane and he just hugged his son. His son, son was trying to say, Father, I'm really sorry. I know I've done wrong. I'm really sorry. And I'll be a servant. I'm not worthy to be your son. And he's just, he's kissing him and he's hugging him. And he says to his servant, he says, get the best robe Get the ring in my, in my house. Put the best ring on him. See that fatted calf we're keeping for a special occasion. He says, get the fatted calf. Kill it. We're going to have a barbecue tonight. We're going to have a party because my son was lost. But now he's fine. And that's what I mean about Jesus. His value system is that he loves you that you're of incredible value to him. God loves you so much. And Jesus came down to earth to search for each and every one of us. And when he does, and we come to him, we respond to him, and we come to him, another value in the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is forgiveness. That everything that you've ever done or said or thought, that's been... That's been outside the will of God for you that's been wrong in God's sight it's forgiven it's cleansed hug time with the father if the father comes and accepts you and hugs you and blesses you get the best robe get the ring give that boy or that girl give them eternal life with me so, boys and girls, Jesus is wonderful. He really is. And do you know, I'm going to give you a wee description of Jesus. Do you want to hear what Jesus is like? When I was at Cape and Ray, and I was in my teens, I remember Alan Redpath saying, 1 Corinthians 13, he said that description of love. There's nobody's ever loved people like Jesus has loved. And so you can substitute that wee word love if you want, just for Jesus. And it'll describe just who Jesus is. Let me, let me read a couple of wee verses. This is what Jesus is like. Jesus, the King of kings, the King of the kingdom. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. Jesus is not proud. Jesus does not dishonor other people. Jesus is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of your wrongs. No record. Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. So we're going to pray a wee minute, boys and girls, and uh, we're going to sing uh, Jesus Loves Me. But I want you, we sing this song, I grew up with this song, and so often you hear the message, how God loves you. But it only goes in there, doesn't go in here. We need it to go in here, and then in here, and then for this to affect our feet, that we live and Jesus says, I want you to live it by love. I want you to know every morning, every afternoon, every evening that you're loved.
Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for your value system is so different from the value system of the world. Father, how easily we can even give up on people. But you never do. You never do. And how easy we can quit, even on ourselves. But you never quit in us. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your love. And we thank you, Lord, that as you draw us to yourself, there's forgiveness for every sin that we've ever committed. And there's a fresh start. Thank you for that. Amen. So we're going to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. there'll be a Sunday club and uh, if you're a visitor and you go out into the vestibule there someone will be there to guide you where to go for that and you're very welcome and if you uh, need crash crash is open in on my left here um, on your right just through that door and someone is there to look after you I'm gonna invite uh, Adrian Jordan uh, Adrian's gonna do our intercessory prayer this morning Let's pray. Our Father, as we recall Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, 
and we realise the extent of your love for us. We come to you in humility and thankfulness. And we bring to you the prayers of our heart. Lord, if we as the church are truly to be the body of Christ, help us to learn what it means to love and keep on loving, to serve and keep on serving. Give us undivided hearts to love you and one another. And go on loving even through insult or praise, through acceptance or rejection, in the knowledge that you are God and with us. Again, we think of Jesus entering Jerusalem and the crowds sang your praise, Lord. We pray this day that many more will welcome you into their hearts and lives. We pray for this church, for opportunities to spread your good news and the courage to take them. We thank you for Mark and the family and pray for your presence with them, for your continuing commitment to him in this place and we pray that we will be a welcoming and loving church for the whole family we pray too for the new committee and the elders for your wisdom and guidance in the next few years Lord, in a moment of silence, we pray for our family and friends. Lord, if the world is ever to see real hope, then we pray that you would purify and transform the lives of all your people, your church throughout the world. That we would stretch out our arms in loving forgiveness with no exceptions, no small print. We pray that your church would shine as a light in the darkness. And as we pray for this world, we pray for all who lead, for all who take important decisions, for those who follow or are coerced, and for those who have no voice. We pray for justice and mercy, for peace, compassion and integrity in the governments of the world. Lord, we especially bring to you the countries of Ukraine and Afghanistan this morning. 
Lord, we pray for protection against evil. And we pray for the strengthening of goodness. And we ask you to thwart the plans of evil men. We pray too for our own country. We pray that men and women of integrity and inclusion are elected in the coming elections. Lord, that we have an executive which can work together for the good of all. Again, we pray for those who are ill, for those who are grieving, for those who are struggling with bills. Father, we pray that you would meet each one where they need you, that they would know your presence in their life but they would also find solution to their problems. Our Father, as the crowd lay their coats on the ground as Jesus came, we want to express our thankfulness too for all that you've done for us, for the many ways you've blessed us here. May we be a blessing to those around us. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Adrian. We're going to stand, we're going to worship God with Jesus. We enthrone you, keeping in our thoughts that he is the King of Kings. This is quite an old song, and it's, I hold it quite a special place in my heart for it. A guy called Paul Kyle wrote it. John Kyle, the counsellor, his brother. And uh, he lived in the same street as me uh, in Gilnahirk, Kensington Drive. So, um, but let's, let's worship the Lord. Um, keeping in mind what we we're saying last week, that worship in the Greek means literally to come towards the kiss. Let's come towards to, to show our affection and our love for Christ.
invite Billy Heintman now. He's going to do our Bible reading uh, for us. It's Luke 19 verses 28 to 48. Our reading this morning. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. Those who went ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they were quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem, and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you, and encircle you, and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And Jesus at the temple. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, 
and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it, because all the people hung on his every word. Thank you, Billy. And of course, this Friday, coming Friday, we'll have uh, our communion service here, Good Friday evening, at half past seven, and you're very welcome uh, to join us in that. Um, in these uh, 20 verses, there are three emotions that are shown by Jesus, very strong emotions, joy, sorrow, and anger. He rides into Jerusalem amidst shouts of joy, healed as king. He looks over the city, and then he weeps. And he rides on the donkey, and he on up to the temple, where he overturns the tables with anger, joy, sorrow, and anger in such a short period of time. You know, he's riding into territory where he'll encounter a clash between the two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. I want you to put your seatbelts on this morning because I want to take you through this journey as accurately as I can. And there'll be a few bumps on the road. And I pray that you might feel a fraction of what Jesus felt that day. The joy and the sorrow and the anger that you might get a sense of his heart at this time. First of all, oh, what joy he felt. Jesus sends two disciples to pick up a donkey uh, set aside for him to, to ride upon, uh, fulfilling God's uh, promise in Zechariah, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, the foal of a donkey. It was the cultural tradition that when a king came home from war, that he would ride into the, into the city on a donkey or on a, a, a young horse. Uh, and people would throw their branches a, across his path that they might walk on them. A bit like red carpet treatment today. But after so many cuts and so many bruises from people's words, from people's behavior towards Jesus, I dare say that this was nice to enjoy for a little time the praises of people, even though he was well aware that their motivation was very selfish. But yet, let Jesus enjoy this moment. It's like an oasis in the middle of a desert, like rays of sunshine in the middle of dark, a dark, dark winter. And Jesus begins to enjoy what they're saying. And they're saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king. John tells us they took palm branches down and they went to meet him and they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, or Hosianna is the Hebrew. Hosianna, which means save us, save us. What a noisy excitement. You know, the king, when he was coming to the temple, any king would normally were, sit on a donkey and, be, and people would start to cheer as he went along. Blessed is he, the king who's coming. And uh, a donkey was an animal of the people. Um, he was regarded as a burden bearer. You often see the donkeys with big weights on them. A burden bearer. And, and so here comes Jesus Christ, a king who is not aloof from his people, but he's among his people. 
He's a burden bearer of his people. And here he rides uh, as a servant to the people and the crowds begin to praise him and he allows them and he even encourages them. You know, it seems different to what we've read in the Gospels of Jesus up to this point. Um, as we read the Gospels, we see him at times retiring into the mountains, wanting to be in the background. When he heals many people, he says, don't be telling anybody that this has happened. So he, 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 he tends to pull back a bit. But here, here, he realizes it's time to shine. He realizes that the time has come when the light of God must show who he is. He must go public. This is his moment. Malachi 3.1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he will prepare before me, and the Lord who, will, who, who you seek will suddenly come to his temple. This particular week will be a week that will change the world. Everything would be clear for everyone to see. Now, whether people will interpret it correctly uh, is another question. But God, his Father, in his wisdom, has ordained the light to be fully shining on his Son on this week from the Palm Sunday to the cross. Publicly, he rides into Jerusalem. Publicly, he teaches in Jerusalem this week until he's arrested. Publicly, he's brought before the Sanhedrin. Publicly, he's brought before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. Publicly, he's condemned. Publicly, he's led to Calvary and kneeled upon the cross. His death was verified not by his followers, but by the Roman guard who threw a spear into his side to check that he was dead. No one could deny as his body was removed from the cross. No one could deny that he was surely and absolutely dead. Which makes Sunday morning a scene of a miracle to top all miracles when he walks from the tomb. But Jesus enjoys this ride into Jerusalem. There's joy, the shouts, the cries, the palm branches. Even though he knows that his, the praise that they're giving him is selfish, it's self-motivated. Yet he enjoys it like a sunny day in the midst of a long winter. Oh, what joy. But secondly, oh, what sorrow. The cheers soon turn to tears. With the cheers come the tears. We're told when he drew near the, and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over Jerusalem. You know, the road into Jerusalem, it, before you get up, you have to go down. So there's a big steep hill. You go down and you lose the sight of the whole city. You can't see it. But then as you climb up, as Jesus did with sitting on the donkey, as you climb up this steep hill, suddenly you come to the top and there's a panoramic, incredible view of all of Jerusalem. And it's at that point where Jesus begins to weep. Jesus wept over the death of Lazarus. The Greek word there is dacrio, 
and it means shed tears. But the Greek term here, weeping over Jerusalem, is different. It's much more powerful. It's much more forceful. It can be translated as the Greek word kleo, and it can be translated will or willing. Jesus absolutely and uncontrollably breaks down in front of everyone. His journey literally grinds to a halt while he breaks his heart over the people of Jerusalem. Can I just say this with love in my heart for you? If you still have not received Jesus Christ, he's breaking his heart over you also. And he says to the folk, he says, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, I long for it, I long for you to see it, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Stephen Alford, when he was asked by a student, what makes a good Christian leader? He replied, wet eyes, sore knees, broken heart. Wet eyes, sore knees, broken heart. Doesn't that describe Jesus? Wet eyes, sore knees, broken heart. And Jesus breaks his heart because the people he weeps for are blind to their need of a saviour. A saviour to save them. What from? What from? From a Christless eternity. You don't hear hell preached as much these days. But Christ, if you look through the Gospels, he speaks more about hell than he does about heaven. And that's why we do evangelism. And that's why we do mission. And that's why we, we, sharing the Gospel is so important to us. That men and women and boys and girls may be reconciled with God and one day spend eternity in his presence. May I ask you a question, and I ask myself the question also. When did you last weep and pray for the souls of your neighbours? For friends, for family members who were without Christ? If only they knew what it was that would bring them peace, deep inner peace. Peace with God. But Jesus says it's hidden from their eyes. And thirdly, oh, what anger. Jesus goes straight to the temple, and there he finds something which distresses him. Luke tells us, when Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. Mark in his gospel tells us a wee bit more detail. He says, and he overturned the tables of the money changers. See, as people came to the temple, and there were thousands from all over Israel, and even beyond Israel, would come for the Passover. Thousands. And as they arrived, many, well, to get into the temple, you needed, first of all, well, you needed a, a, an unblemished lamb or an unblemished animal. So they needed to buy an animal. And also, each, each man to enter the temple to worship God, 
needed to pay half a shekel. Most people didn't have the currency of shekels. So they needed to go and find a money changer who would give them the right currency. But unfortunately, the money changers charged exorbitant prices. The scam had been going on for years. And the high priest Ananias had been getting a backhander to turn a blind eye to it. And to make matters worse, a lot of this going on was going on in the court of the Gentiles. Did you know that there was a court of the Gentiles? Now, you're a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. Non-Jews are Gentiles. Did you know that there was a, a court in the temple that Solomon built? A court for the Gentiles. And that, Solomon dedicated the temple, and it was to be kept for the likes of you and I. If we looked and we saw the Jews and we saw the witness and we saw the relationship they had with God and we wanted that, it was a place where you and I could come and pray in the temple. You could call it evangelism to the Gentiles. But the thing is, could you find a place to pray in this court? No. Could you even concentrate on prayer in this court? No, not during Passover. There's a record, a historical record, of 3,000 lambs being in this temple area. And the money changers were there and the pigeons were there. How could you or I come in and find a place to pray? And that, that just topped it. And Jesus rides in and all of this is going on and he's angry. And there's all this noise and bustle and pigeons flying and people shouting and money deeds being done and these exorbitant prices. Taking advantage of people that just wanted to go and worship God. And they were charging them for it. And Jesus loses his temper and he throws over the tables and he is furious. Mark tells us he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. Clear these Gentile courts. Let the Gentiles have a place to pray. Clear all this stuff out of here. Can you imagine the money changers? They try and grab in their coins that's fallen off their tables and the chaos. But then above all of that noise comes the cry of Jesus. It is written... My house shall be a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of robbers, a den of thieves. May God forgive us if anything takes the place of prayer in our lives. If anything takes the place of prayer in our churches. Christ was battered and bruised and crucified that we might have the lines of communication with God open. God forgive us if we take that for granted. But yet we do, don't we? I remember hearing Alan Redpath and I was surprised at this because I just, he's taught me so much. But I remember him saying towards the end of his life, he says, if it's one thing I regret in my ministry is that I didn't spend enough time with God in prayer. 
I know life is busy, but that's all the more reason why we need to pray. No program or fancy tradition could ever take the place of prayer in our lives or in this church. The success of this church is not down to me or to the concession to any man. It's down to Christ. And Christ will bless us and he will pour out blessing upon blessing upon us when we're on our knees. You know, with this Thursday night, or this Thursday, the church will be open and for anyone to come in and pray uh, morning and, and evening. But you, you might not be able to come, and I can understand that because life is busy. But if you're at home, not just on Thursday, but any day, sit at the kitchen table and pray. Take time when your kids are at school or when the baby's sleeping to pray. Please grasp what Christ has done that we might pray, that we might connect with the living God. The blood that was shed, that we might do that. Also, <clears throat> I'd say this. I hope the church in Northern Ireland does not fall into the same category as the leadership did in the temple those days. I hope that money does not become that which motivates the church rather than Jesus Christ being our motivator. Christ before us sits in Patrick, Christ behind us, Christ to my right, Christ to my left, Christ above us, Christ within me. May that be my stance, may that be our stance, may that be our witness. Christ exalted as King, taking his place in our lives as King, taking his place in this church as King. And we're told that when we exalt him, he'll draw men and women, boys and girls. To himself. You know, as this uh, community looks at us in Ballycrock, and what do they see? I'm looking on the inside and I see lovely people, passionate people, people want to serve God, people got a heart for God. I've seen all that and it's blessed me out of my boots since I came here. But I'm not asking, what do you see inside the place? What, what does the community see? Because people can make judgments, and I get it, wrong judgments at times, very wrong judgments. But I wonder, do they feel I can't go there because I don't have enough money? I wonder, are there any folk that feel, I don't have a job? I won't fit in. I wonder how many people feel I have not a good education. Well, let me tell you, none of those things factor into God's priority list. They're not priorities in the kingdom of God. Isaiah, God said through Isaiah, come you who have no money, come you buy and eat. Would they fit in here? I remember in the church I was in before and we had a prayer meeting, a regular prayer meeting on a Wednesday night. 
And um, I'd invited folk to come. But we always got the same people. There weren't that many. But I found out that after I'd made that announcement, there was one lady who sat in the car park for an hour trying to get the courage to come in because she felt she didn't fit in. And she went home and never came in. Come ye who have no money, come ye buy and eat. Doesn't matter what your background is, that's not a priority with Christ. The church is for broken people. The church is for strong people to be able to help broken people. The church is there with Christ at the center and Christ opens his arms to everyone. What a day for Jesus that was. Joy, sorrow and pain. I hope you felt a little of what Jesus felt as he journeyed into Jerusalem. On Wednesday night, please join us here at 7.30 as we focus on Jesus' journey to the cross when the scriptures will speak for themselves. There'll be no sermon. The scriptures will listen to them and will follow them to the cross. But let me wind up just with one final thought, and I think it puts things in perspective. I often used to wonder, how do people turn from Jesus so quickly? They're praising him coming down the road, and yet for in a couple of days' time, they're crying out for her to crucify him. Let me ask you a question. How does Satan hurt God the most? By hurting his people. When Saul of Tarsus met Christ on the Damascus Road, Jesus asked him, said to him, Saul, why do you persecute me? Well, he wasn't personally persecuting Christ. He was persecuting his people. But when you hurt my people, you hurt me. The Jews are God's chosen people. And in their history, we see Satan hurting God the most by hurting his chosen people. We see it in Egypt, where for 400 years they were in slavery. And we, in more recent times, we saw it in Auschwitz and Belsen and similar extermination camps. A total of approximately 6 million Jews killed in the Holocaust, hurting God by hurting his people. But one perhaps that you're not so familiar with, which might put a bit of light on this whole scene this next week. Alexander the Great's ambition was to unite the world through one language, one culture. And as a result, Israel became immersed in Greek culture. But after him, there came a very evil Syrian king called Antiochus Epiphanes. And he tried to put an end to the Jewish community. Totally finished them. He even took some pigs and he, he slaughtered them and he threw their remains into the temple. Totally desecrating the temple. But then there was a Jewish revolt led by a man called Judas Maccabeus. The Jews looked to him to win their freedom. In the 165 BC, he rides into Jerusalem 
And what do they do? They greet him with palm branches. They line the streets of Jerusalem and he rides straight up to the temple and he cleanses the temple and he rededicates it to God. So he's acclaimed as one of the greatest warriors in Jewish history and he goes alongside people like Gideon and David and Joshua. But here, Jesus is in a similar position and he's riding into Jerusalem and as the people see him, they're reminded of Judas Maccabeus all those years ago who came to save them from the Greeks. And they jump to the conclusion, here's our deliverer who will free us from the Romans. And they, just, they begin to throw their, their coats down. They begin to throw their, the palm branches down, just like they did with Judas Maccabeus. They're thinking to themselves, he's our deliverer. He's going to rescue us. We're going to have a nation of our own again. We're going to have a flag of our own again. And their excitement only builds when they realize he's heading to the temple, just like Judas Maccabeus did. And their excitement rises even further when he goes in there and starts to throw over the tables. And they're thinking, this is it. This is it. Get ready. Get ready. We're going to be a free nation again. Here's our king. You know, if you were a Roman general that day stationed in Jerusalem, the alarm bells would have been going off in your head. You'd have been thinking, this is a revolt. This is like Judas Maccabees, just as the people did. Palm leaves, people crying, Hosanna, Hosianna, Hosianna, save us, save us, save us with the palm trees. But how they misunderstood it. Yes, Christ was there to be their saviour, but he was there to save them from sin and its consequences, not to save them from the Romans. And you can understand why their shouts of praise turned to shouts of anger. Crucify him. They see him being arrested. They see him in his weakness. They see him being humiliated in front of the Sanhedrin, humiliated in front of the Roman guards. This is our king. This is our king. We were trusting in him and he's going to die here. Well, so you can understand it when, when, when Pontius Pilate comes out and says, who do you want, Barabbas, a murderer? Or Jesus, the king. Their anger started with disappointment, frustration, turned into anger. Crucify him. Crucify him. How Jesus must have been broken inside when he heard his own people shouting that. One day Jesus will be exalted and he'll be given the name above every name. And at his name, every, and every knee shall bow, that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, is Master. He's the sovereign king. He's the king of kings. But first must come the humiliation. First must come the cross. In chains that we might be free, dead that we might live, separated from his Father, that we would never have to be separated from God again. Let's pray.
Lord, we, we thank you. We, we do proclaim you as our King of Kings. And Father, we can understand with the politics in Northern Ireland how a person can feel, first of all, disappointed, and how that disappointment can turn to frustration, and how that frustration can turn to anger. And Lord, within a few days from praising you, they're shouting for you to be crucified, to be tortured in death. Lord, what I want to thank you for this morning is that you never quit. That when you were in the Garden of Gethsemane and you broke your heart, you never quit. You could have pulled back and nobody would have blamed you, but you went on. You went to the cross and three days later you rose from the dead. Lord, the agony in that, it's impossible for us to understand the pain in that. We thank you you never quit. We thank you you never quit on us. You came to look for us like a lost sheep and you received us like a father receives his lost son. Thank you. Amen. We're just going... Um, Where we've gone on, I'm going to actually just miss this next uh, contemplative worship. It's called Rain in Me. Listen to it on YouTube if you want when you go home. But what I want to do is finish with uh, Jesus, all for Jesus, okay? Because it's okay talking about him reigning uh, for the, in the kingdom of God, but does he reign in our hearts? Do our decisions, are our decisions affected by him being king in our hearts? Let's stand.
um, may I just say that if there's anybody that hasn't signed up for this meal, don't be worrying about it. You're very, very welcome to stay and just come along and enjoy the meal with us. Uh, so we're going to say grace and the benediction. We thank you, Father, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the health and, and, and strength to enjoy it. And we pray that you'd bless our fellowship, Lord, as we eat together and, and chat together. And Father, uh, we just thank you for the food. Um, and, and we just pray, God, that, that Lord, those in, in, in Ukraine and those in Afghanistan, Lord, may eat well today. We pray that. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.